Hi, Sam. Hi, Simon. How, how are, are you? you? Oh, wow. We were going to snapsies on the how are you, but snapsies. I'm, I'm okay. How are good. you? Good. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm very good considering I took candy from a stranger yesterday. And by a stranger, I mean Jan Smuts. And by candy, I mean three Pokeballs. <laughs> I don't know what any of this means. Break it down for me. I'm... So, you know, Pokemon Go, my favorite side effect, apart from the fact that all of a sudden I'm going to church a lot because they all happen to be Pokemon gyms. Of course. Is all of the old statues of like creepy racist old white guys around town are now places where where I can get Pokeballs and raspberries. So I like the thought of getting like a raspberry from Cecil John Rhodes. Well, good, Sam. This is awesome. It's the most good he's done in his whole life, damn it. Did you ever play Ingress? Yeah, obsessively. You did as well, right? Yeah, I I don't know about obsessively, but I played it. And uh, it was that similar thrill of going to a church, which is now a portal for um, thought aliens or I can't remember the story me and my friends had a game for a while based on the Dresden Files do you know what the Dresden Files are? yes but remind me anyway yeah 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 so like um, this this whole series of books and I think there was a TV show as as well right where um, about this private detective but he's like a supernatural private detective but it's like this combination of supernatural and then like gritty real worldy stuff Um, and it was the best role playing game universe because like we started off spending like two weekends coming up for ridiculous like conspiracy theories and supernatural alternatives of all the real places in the world like our least favorite nightclub that was the portal to hell and then okay. you play a game around it it's that's really not fun. what i thought it was i thought you said dresden effect is there dresden, uh, dresden effect i'm asking google google will know sam even probably. though i do not except google too is actually created by humans which means it too is actually shit there is a Dresden effect. It has something to do with bombs in the Second World War. Totally mm. not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh man, I've actually had the really like a weird week because also okay. last night I have never I've never had an allergic reaction to anything in my life. But last night I was making this really suspicious looking Chinese fake soy fish thing. But okay. like the kind of thing where there's no information on the packaging about what's inside. Right. Um, and then it had this weird stuff on it, like the spice stuff. And as I started cooking it, I suddenly couldn't breathe. Like I was standing in my kitchen and I couldn't breathe. I had this like weird allergic reaction. Dude. So, and I hadn't even eaten anything, but then I was a dumbass and I assumed that it was like because of like, I don't know, vapor. And so I also then like ate a bite of it, which was like more oh, just to Just to check. <laughs> And then I really couldn't breathe and I was at home alone and I looked at, I made eye contact with my cat and I was like, you're going to eat my face when I'm dead, aren't you, buddy? Aren't you? It was one of those moments. It was so weird. I've never, never had that happen before. Well, I'm super glad that you're not dead, Sam. Yeah, me I'm too. quite fond of you in your alive state. <laughs> but it has made me think about allergens in the world, right? Yeah. Because what's really weird about this is that now, like, you know, talking to all my medical friends, they're like, mm-hmm. well, you really should now go and get a test for these things because if it happens again, you've now built up antibodies and the second time you're exposed to it, it'll be worse. So there's a guy around Cape Town who you can pay money and he pricks your skin a bunch of times and then he rubs a whole bunch of random shit in it and then you wait and see what causes a mild allergic reaction. Yep. Standard allergy test. Mm-hmm. But isn't um, that a good metaphor for life? Like you rather want to like expose yourself to all the shitty things in a safe, controlled way and see what you're allergic to. I think I I I think it's fundamental. Um, 
you know, like I've said to you before, I, I think the only way to tackle any new project, for example, is to first figure out what the worst thing is that could happen mm-hmm. and kind of um, make peace with that. Mm. Um, it's, it's something that uh, I think Timothy Ferris spoke about in the four hour work week um, where he talks about new projects and, and he puts that down as the first step. I may be getting this completely wrong, but I seem to <laughs> recall this being in that particular book. Mm. Um, but I found that to be incredibly useful. And I, I guess it ties into what you're saying is if you're worried about something happening, uh, maybe expose yourself, even if it's just a totally. thought process, even if yeah. it's just a thought experiment. Like, I'm really worried about the zombie apocalypse. So let me yeah. unpack this. Yeah, yeah. So the world's <laughs> full of zombies and I'm all alone. I'm going to need A, B, and C. I can deal with this and that in a particular way. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's time to get the pitchfork out of the shed and keep it closer <laughs> to the front door. Expose myself to a zombie in a safe, controlled <laughs> gym environment and <laughs> see who wins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I've been rereading The Lean Startup, and it's that principle as well. But And it's like the principles are easy, but if I think about how few people I know in life or business or anything who are actively courting disaster like in a really controlled way like they they really have thought like i really want to know whether the thing that i think is the worst thing that could happen here might actually be true and quite actively be trying to like you know prove the false hypothesis like what is the in science when you're doing that what is that called like you you're looking for testing hypothesis yeah but there's like a word for like the bad hypothesis like the null hypothesis oh i see what you're saying no i i'm not smart enough to know what you're talking about sam Yeah, it's like the thing where you're like, let's try and figure out what I would have to do to make this not true, right? Right, It's it's like what Papa said about science. Like you've got to figure out what would make this not true and Mm -hmm. go and try and do that thing. Mm -hmm. I think it also ties into anti-fragility, right? It's like Mm. we're looking for systems and things that get uh, stronger uh, in adversity or in chaos. Mm. And I think we find those things by testing our limits with, uh, Mm. with this kind of thinking. I like it, Sam. So Mm. one day when we discover that churches are actually breeding grounds for strange Japanese um, (laughs) animals, you'll be pleased that you spent your days playing Pokemon Go. Exactly. And you'll know know how to deal with the the crisis. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I've I've also dived into this craze, I must admit it, Sam. I have, uh, I have been walking around with uh, with a augmented reality application and tiny white and red balls trying to <laughs> capture what's been, animals. What's been your best like Pokemon moment so far? I don't. I can't say I've had one. Maybe maybe I just haven't played as much as you. I mean, it's it's fun. It's 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 not as involved a game as Ingress was. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just good clean fun, right? And totally. I've I've been playing it with little kids, which is super extra fun. Mm. Um, and like we went for a walk in the mountain, and there are lots of crazy Pokemon up there. <laughs> um, and then we soon realized you need a battery pack because that shit will drain your battery in so next to fast. no time. I was reading um, this thing that someone was saying about how um, it's kind of an unintentional advantage. Like, I mean, it seems like they probably just didn't get around to launching the multiplayer stuff properly, mm-hmm. you know, um, with the game. But they, I was I was listening to something or, or reading something where they were saying, um, you know, when Ingress was a big deal. Um, there were a whole bunch of fist fights that happened around the world. Oh yeah, I witnessed. Well, it wasn't a fist fight, but I was. I was. I I witnessed. You uh, initiated. You threw the first punch. Anyway. No, sorry. no. I, I saw two dudes getting very testy with each other um, yeah. at the site of a portal. Yeah. I can't. I can't remember why. I imagine it had something to do with uh, whatever. But, yeah. uh, you know, these things are all very serious at the time. So. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they were saying, like, this is the unintentional advantage of Pokemon Go being actually kind of a shitter game. It's, it's causing fewer, like, you know, 
fights. Just fights over Pokemon. Because you can all have the Pokemon. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's glitching. It's no, okay. but like what is kind of cool about like the, it has, it has, I've witnessed all of these random acts of Pokemon kindness recently, like, mm-hmm. um, like around Cape Town CBD um, at lunchtime is Pokemon Lure Central. Like mm-hmm. it looks like a beautiful teenage girl's bedroom explosion of pink bubbly things everywhere right um and people are like really nice like you you'll be sitting you're walking in the park or sitting in a coffee shop and one lure will run out and like people will like look at each other and give each other like little smiles and someone will be like oh i'll do the next one and then like we'll put on a lure again it's like really cute (laughs) it is cute it brings out the best in us it's uh, it's also an interesting um phenomenon because I don't know. There's, I mean, we've never really seen anything like this before, right? It's grown faster than than any app in history, faster isn't than it, something like WhatsApp. Isn't it as big um, as Twitter already? Yeah, I mean, and 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 that happened in the space of a week. But also, it's it's not just another app. Like, it's an augmented reality game. It's mm. the, it's it's really a first of its kind to break out and to see it happen this quickly, um, and and just watching Niantic. And I'd love to know more about the relationship between Nintendo and Niantic and how they managed mm. to wrestle away the Pokemon brand. But that's a whole different story. Um, but just seeing them battle with scale, for example, like mm. this this strange little franchise that you know had had followers of the card game, etc., online, um, and had some infrastructure around the Pokemon Club, um, but just had no idea that it was going to have to go from like a handful of users one week to mm. trillions the next week and have to scale its infra- I mean, the, <laughs> No wonder they poor tiny servers keep falling over. I mean, I don't know about you, but like every second time I try and play it, I can't get on because there's too oh, yeah. many people and there's some error and it's just balked out completely. That happened to me the other day. There was a fucking Charizard and I was going to catch him and then it froze and it was like, and then when I got back in, the Charizard was gone and I was like, this is the worst thing that's happened to me all day and then I was like, wow, my life is great. <laughs> this yeah. is the worst thing that's happened to me all day. So um, to to this area of discussion, the president of Zero in the US, uh, Zero, of course, is the, the beautiful accounting software that I think we all use now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Russ, and I hope I'm pronouncing his surname correctly, Fujioka, mm-hmm. um, he wrote an article about why you need to get on board with Pokemon Go, which is really him getting on board with Pokemon Go and like, you know, just SEOing an article really well. Yeah. Um, but he makes some good points and it's basically like what can business learn from um, uh. from Pokemon Go. His takeaway though is that it's all about catching millennials. Um, I need to read this in more depth. That's the that's my someone mentioned the word millennials. Yeah, I wasn't voice. sure it was happening on your end. Those were not good sounds. <laughs> No, that is interesting, though. You had me worried I mean, that you had inhaled more weird fish stuff from. <laughs> I, there is God my lesson, really. I mean, okay, well, mm, I guess I just get annoyed because the word millennials to describe an entire very large generation of people doesn't mean anything, which we've spoken about before. We've but, spoken um, about this before, indeed. Yeah. So, I mean, what is interesting, though, is like it's an quote unquote overnight success that they've been working on for many, 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 many years. Like, there's that, um, I think I, I posted on Facebook the other day so you've probably seen it that um 2014 april fool's day video that google maps did where there are <laughs> there's clips of pokemon go in it and they were putting it out as a joke but clearly like 
they were working on it like the guy who started it worked at google before right and yeah, then yeah, it was yeah. like yeah so clearly it was actually a preview of the game in 2014 and just none of us realized that at the time or maybe some people did i love that kind of mashup and there's also been all of this talk about the fact that the creator of pokemon's name is satoshi um and how pokemon go ties into the blockchain etc etc which is fantastic and then of course there's somebody with the twitter handle satoshi nakamoto who almost certainly isn't the real satoshi um but still manages to say some very smart stuff um and has now latched onto this and Mm. he or her um entire twitter (laughs) profile is um is pokemon go uh, and feeding into the conspiracy theory and it's all glorious that's really interesting. Do you know what? Do you know what Shen's Pokemon game uh, name is? Shen is Sam's roommate. <laughs> and Boo, my best Boo. He's um, amazing. He's the best. Do you know what his Pokemon Go name is? No. <laughs> Pounded in the ash. <laughs> Why is that funny? Oh, I, I know it. nothing about Pokemon. Ash, Ash is the. I know. The Ash Pokemon is the Pokemon guy. trainer guy. Anyway, it's very funny. But I mean, I think that's that is a really helpful reminder, though. Like. Um, you know like what can businesses learn from pokemon uh like i really hope somewhere in that article was this took them a very long time well yeah i mean I, shitty <laughs> i actually heard somebody say out loud yeah our business should do an augmented reality app and i'm like no uh. to do to do this your business would have to you know be founded in the 19th century to make playing cards for the emperor of japan and mm-hmm. then evolve into the world's leading video game brand mm-hmm. that then has to fight for its life with the likes of Sony and Microsoft and exactly. eventually let go of its franchises on its own hardware, et, you yeah. know, et cetera, et cetera. Like nothing like, is easy. Yeah. yeah. You see augmented reality success and you're like, oh, well, that's what we need to do. <laughs> no, that's not what you need to do. No. I mean, in fact, like Pokemon Go is a perfect example of the fact that technology by itself is not interesting because as we were just saying, it's a shitty app. Like as far as apps go, it's terrible. Like yes, the user experience design is awful. It's unstable. It's shitty. But the story around it and the experience and the cultural moments and the nostalgia and the whole combination of the human emotional game stuff, that's really amazing. So it doesn't even matter that the fucking app itself is shit. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's human beings putting carts ahead of horses again. Um, mm. It's it's pokemon being successful it's not Mm. necessarily augmented reality Mm -hmm. um you know like you smile and then you're happy you're not happy and then you smile Mm. um etc well actually you are (laughs) yeah we've spoken about before but yeah i know what you mean this could this could become quite an in-depth discussion but i mean it's it's you know it's a proven fact if you smile it makes you happy um Mm. And you can talk about, you know, which processes happen first in the brain, et cetera, et cetera. It seems like things make you smile and then you become happy. This is going nowhere, Sam. No, but it's interesting. I think Partly because I can't remember the exact research that I'm um, purporting to know all about. So completely unrelated to anything we've just been talking about, which Mm -hmm. is fine, right? Of course. (laughs) I learned the most fascinating thing yesterday. And it's it's so nice when you learn something that just honestly makes you, like your eyes go big and you're like, what? Um, So I want to share it with you. So, you know, you know, cicadas, like, like grasshoppers. What are those things called? Cicadas? Cicadas. 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 Okay. So do you know that all of them have, um, they, they like these weird things where they burrow underground and they, they like are in stasis and Mm -hmm. then they all hatch. Yes. And and they do it every 10 years. Well, okay. 
on certain cycles, but you know that every cicada, so they're different ones with different cycle lengths. Yes. But the funny thing is that all of their cycle lengths are prime numbers. Yes. And in fact, there's a, a documentary um, about, well, partly about this called The Code, which is on Netflix. Ah, damn it. I can never teach you things. You know everything. No, no, not <laughs> all. It's, it's fascinating. And, and so there was a great Radio Lab episode about cicadas as well. Um, uh, Radio Lab, the podcast of. But but uh, but I didn't know that that they had these different cycles. I thought their cycles were all the same. No, so this is um, what's so interesting. So the reason that they're prime numbers and all at different lengths um, is um, not because aliens or some weird like, or not because God or some other weird like cosmic reason, but because that way it means that the chances of any two like species of cicadas being alive in the same year are almost null which means that they're never competing over food yeah it's it's incredible and and so that's part of what the code talks about um mm. is how these these kind of patterns in mathematics are emergent in nature and how mm. you know how how nature and human beings in things like architecture have kind of dis kind of discovered these these very handy um mathematical laws that serve us very well even though we don't and and again and then pattern recognition kicks mm. in in the brain and we think there's a deeper meaning where obviously there isn't one um yum but that sounds delicious i'm definitely going to go watch that documentary yeah and if you uh, and then if you want to get completely crazy um with implied mathematics and um, pretend numbers etc um, a book I think we've spoken about before by um, is it Douglas Hofstadter? Um, yeah. I'm a strange loop. Yes. Uh, the guy who wrote Gödel Escherbach. Um, mm. I mean, what what the the journey he takes you on with mathematics kind of turns your very being inside out and becomes mm. very scary. But it's mm. it's fascinating if you can keep up with him, which I battle to do. Like I. I just, my brain starts breaking down at a point and then I need to take a break and think very hard and then carry on reading and probably miss half of what he's actually saying. It's really cool like when you read these books that actually shift or change or give you like a new mental model for things completely. Like it actually activates a different way of looking at the whole world and then all of a sudden you're like, oh wait, but everything applied to this mental model. It's it's like a, a, a gift to your brain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and th- I mean, those are the books I seek out. It's kind of, it, it's the same reason I love psychological thrillers so much. It, mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what to call the psychological effect, but mm. that, I mean, you know, the, the colloquial term for it is a mindfuck. But, <laughs> but just that experience that like that, I suppose it's like being wrapped in awe. Yeah, yeah. Where you just sit back and you go, huh, wow. Well, actually, like awe, yeah, like awe as a as a term, like in classic literature as well, like like things that are. What was the exact word? The oh man, it's like what people use to describe Lovecraft a lot, like um, that thing, like that thing about Cthulhu. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm just gonna bring no, everything no, no. back to Cthulhu. It's fine. Like I mean, that experience, know. but it's got a beautiful word, and I can't think what it is. Where something is so huge. It's so huge that it makes you feel so little, but it also, you almost want to like submit to it because of its hugeness. God damn it, Sam. We need to find out what this word is now. Ah, man, it's you know word. that there are people who may have found this conversation on the internet and are screaming this word at us. <laughs> I know, I know. Come on, talk to us, people. This is why we should do this live. I don't even know Twitter. what I would Google for. Or uh, <laughs> It's like or, or synonym. Um, I actually, I found, because you know how like, 
every human brain and especially human brains like my brains find it really satisfying to take all the red shapes and put them all together and then all the yellow shapes and put all the yellow shapes together like sorting and ordering brains Uh, love that shit yeah um and it makes us feel very productive even though it probably isn't but um i found this beautiful article on medium actually by this guy uh who was actually just attempting to his name was Gabriel Weinberg, mm-hmm. and he was basically just attempting to list every mental model that he knows about. And it was such a beautiful, like, launch pad for, like, reading weird, strange things all over the internet. So, you know, like, and he's got them in, like, subsections, and it's everything from, like, a sunk cost bias to um, active listening to uh, mutually assured destruction, like, like, all of these different mental models and everything one that he could think of and it was so much fun to go through and be like tick tick know that one Ooh, don't know that one dig around love it's it. really nice we should it's, put i will put a link in the place where the conversations go yeah i love it where something of you know something something kind of tweaks your curiosity and then mm. it just opens this sort of pandora's box totally. <laughs> and and it leads you to this wikipedia page about this thing which leads you to that wikipedia page yeah. about that thing which <laughs> opens up like this entire school of psychology that you totally. had no idea about i wish that like at school that stuff was more deliberate right like we're gonna we're gonna name the things and the ideas that go in your toolbox like yeah gonna, yeah like yeah. the concepts Whereas the best learning is entirely exploratory. Yeah, like go and explore and learn something. But then like to name it, there's something about being able to name something that you always had a hunch about or knew instinctively, but there it is. It has a name, you know, like Hanlon's Razor. That was one that I learned. Have you heard that one? I haven't heard of Hanlon's Razor. So that's the idea that you should never... You should never. Um, you should always assume that something was just careless. It wasn't done with actual malice. So it's like Occam's razor, but like for human beings. Like human beings are far oh, more likely like to have that. just been careless about something than as to have like actively wished someone malice or I harm. Like that. It kind so of ties back to the four principles we've discussed before about not making assumptions. Yeah, totally. That's a powerful one. I love that. Yeah, like assume the best. Like assume the best reading. Razors of. are handy things. Mm. I feel like I need more. I feel like Occam's is the only <laughs> one that I can, you know, quote kind of. Well, now you have two. Yeah. Yay. Useful <laughs> razors to help me not make uh, essential douchebag problems. <laughs> have you found anything amazing this week that isn't named Pokemon Go? Uh, two things. Um, so you're talking about like clicking around three things. Oh man. But two come from the same place. So mm-hmm. talking about randomly clicking around the internet and going on these strange journeys, I've been spending a lot of time on Reddit again mm-hmm. recently, which still to me is one of the most fascinating, wonderful collections of weird humanness. It's the front page um, of the internet, man. It really is. But I've been specifically, you know how on every Reddit page, it like promotes a new Reddit page on the right-hand sidebar and they tend to be really odd. Yeah. So I've just been like letting myself click on them all the time and then following these weird paths to stranger and stranger subreddits, which I highly recommend as an activity for all humans. Um, the, the it's a bit like our I've, conversations, just entirely divergent. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. So I found this one called Insightful Squirrel Men, which is the subreddit where people pretend to be squirrels. I, I don't know, uh, but it's great. And then I found this, this but Insightful Squirrels. And then I found this other subreddit called Library Girls, which is very not safe for work. For work. It's like 
women who try very hard to snap naked photos of themselves while being in libraries, which is great. Um, Combining two of my favorite loves, uh, boobs and books. And yes, so those were two things that I found. And I also learned about Minitel this week. What is Minitel? Minitel was like um, the internet in the 1980s and it existed in Paris. So it was like... Paris apparently was like, ah. have you heard about this thing? It's so weird. Like they I almost have. didn't pick up the real internet because they're like, why we have Minitel? <laughs> um, that was a really weird French accent. Also, I'm sorry, France Jam, you guys. That's it's really shit. What you, what's happening to you guys today? But anyway, um, yeah, today was not a good day for France. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like there've been a lot of not very good days for the world of late, Sam. Mm. But I think we definitely shouldn't talk about those. Yeah, we should pay them their due somewhere, but uh. yeah. What do, what do you even say? What if what have you discovered that's exciting and <laughs> wonderful? Um, I have been reading a book now. As you know, I don't read a whole lot of fiction. I think the last time I read a fiction book cover to cover was probably like five years ago, and mm. you know, it was probably something that everybody else had read by then, like The Shadow of the Wind or whatever. But um, I discovered a book this week uh, called. The Book of Strange New Things. And it is one of the most incredible works of fiction I've ever read, which isn't saying much because as we've established, I don't read that many works of fiction. But it's fantastic. Now, I had my favorite experience of discovering this. Um, And so, so I have this thing with books and movies where if i've seen the trailer or somebody's given me the synopsis i almost feel like i don't need to see it or read it and i know Mm -hmm. that's an interior that's that's an incredibly short-sighted thing to say but but i just enjoy a movie or i enjoy a work of fiction that much more if i have no idea what to expect Mm -hmm. um and so somebody had told me about this book and like i do whenever somebody mentions something i want to check out i put it in google keep and i saw the name there and i went and put it on my kindle um, it was actually our friend Jono who told me about it. Um, and then I started reading it and I thought it was about one thing and then it very rapidly started becoming about something else and then Ooh. it turned out to be not what I was expecting at all. Um, and so I'm trying very hard to sell this book without giving it away. <laughs> no, no, no. Those are the best kinds of things. Like yeah. I, I just, as you, when you first mentioned the word, I typed it into Google, but I've just deleted my search because I want to not know. That sounds delicious. So, so I highly recommend if you haven't heard of the Book of Strange New Things and you would like an experience similar to what we were talking about earlier where your brain mm. just goes, huh, um, to pick up this book without reading the back cover or anything else about it and just start engaging with it. Mm. Um, because it starts with an English pastor um, who's been called by God on a mission. And that's all I'm going to say about it, really. Oh, my God. Okay, sold. Uh, I, too, have been reading a great book, and it's actually nonfiction. So we've, we've like, swipped. We've, we've swipped. <laughs> we've swapped things. Uh, we've so flipped the script. You and I both spend a lot of time thinking about money and how weird it is. Um so I'm reading this fabulous book called, I've, I've just started it, but so far I'm already completely wrapped, uh, called Money From Nothing uh, by Deborah James. And Deborah James is the head of sociology, I think, at the London School of Economics. Okay. So what it's about is it's trying to make a, an argument against um, the sort of quite Calvinistic, like, 
uh, like sense that it's really bad how indebted middle class countries are so like in, so it's specifically about south africa which as you know is one of the countries that has the highest rates of consumer debt in the world like uh-huh. people in a massive amount of personal debt for shit like clothes yep. and furniture and shit like that it's one of those things that weirdly makes us very similar to the usa mm-hmm. and there are a lot of things where south africa and the usa almost stand alone in the world in oh, yeah, like, like racism <laughs> well let's yeah Yay. so uh, i suppose maybe but uh, actually no i don't know a lot of europe is uh, in fact I think a lot of the world is super racist and that's, that's depressing and let's not talk about that but yeah. um but no like like capitalism um mm. and 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 marginalized uh groups of society and and also like you said uh, massive mm. amounts of debt um mm. and and massive gaps between uh, rich, rich and, and poor and the kind and of health care no they get safety safety net underneath sorry yeah. i'm derailing your story but but yes yeah, it's amazing no, totally. how similar we are to the usa in in economics yeah so i mean people who live in the usa might also find this really interesting but i mean what i really like about it is um she's taking a very like commonly held assumption that like personal debt is bad it's a really bad thing that so many people are in debt we should be working very hard to try to prevent people from getting in debt um it's this kind of consumer debt let's make it better and she's actually saying well actually let's hold on for a second because from a sociological anthropological point of view um oftentimes like people are getting into debt for social status um and she makes the case that actually a lot of the time that social status is the thing that catapults you into a different class which really does over time improve your ability to earn an income and she oh, makes wow, it, that's she, interesting yeah she like she's like let's actually question like is this entirely such a bad thing um which is such a it's so against the grain of what everyone else says and just huh. takes for granted that i'm finding it really interesting and it comes from it's like a very human book like it's it's based on a lot of interviews and a lot of people talking about their subjective experiences of how they want access to more credit like these clothes are important um mm-hmm. because then you know they can talk to their friend who can get them a job if they look the part um, that's interesting I, I i honestly hadn't really thought of it that way i mean you know you and i have spoken on this podcast many times about faking it until you make it mm. um, but one just assumes that debt is a stupid and shitty idea 90 percent of the time unless you're buying something that appreciates like a house etc but mm. um but yeah i mean when, it's interesting when mm. you show up in a fancy german saloon wearing a good suit i guess mm. you do get treated in a different way totally and even though you couldn't afford those things to begin with totally and um you know if you're if you're earning a kind of income where the amount of debt that someone the amount of credit that someone will, will offer you is is pretty small anyway like you know I, I kind of i get the perspective of well i can't fall much below zero you know like i can't fall that far below very little um anyway so I, I haven't gotten far enough to into the book to represent the argument properly but it, i'm just i'm finding it one of those things where it's a mental model shift right where it's saying yeah, yeah. let's take this absolutely commonly held assumption and let's just prod let's prod it a little bit and see what happens like let's poke holes in its skin and throw an allergen on if we're to try and wrap things up prodding <laughs> assumptions no i like yeah. that i mean it's it's we're actually we've actually managed to tie it all together sam <gasps> we did <laughs> well done <laughs> I'm having a moment of awe right now. I'm like, huh. <laughs> Sam took our very divergent rabbit hole of a discussion uh, and managed to put it all together. That's the lesson. Like in everything, you should try as far as possible to 
break things about what you think to be true. Absolutely. Challenge your assumptions. There we go. There we go. And also, uh, another thing I've learned is to quit when you're ahead. <laughs> I love you, Simon. Quickly, quickly. Stop <laughs> but really, I love you more. I love you more. <laughs> let's drink beer. Okay, let's, okay. let's drink beer. Ooh, it's Friday, right but we're drinking beer tomorrow. Yes. Let's drink beer tomorrow. Okay, let's drink beer tomorrow. <laughs> I love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Ah, you're still listening. Well, then you might be interested in a little something Sam and I started a few episodes ago. It's called Drippy Fun Times. Now, you're probably thinking that's a very strange name. Uh, and the reason for that is because it's a very strange name. But what it is, is a compilation of short stories. Sam dared me to write a short story in a week. Uh, and of course, that meant she had to do the same. And then we decided to just dare the whole world to do it too. And so there's a lovely compilation of short stories on Medium uh, that you can find by looking for Drippy Fun Times. Um, but if you would like to add your story to it, all you have to do is once you've done the Google thing or whatever and found us on Medium, submit your story uh, to it. The idea is that you take a week, write a short story, which as I learned is a lot harder than it sounds. Um, I don't know why you'd want to do it. I did because writing. Uh, Sam did. I can't speak for Sam. But if you would like to submit a short story, uh, then please do so. We also asked uh, one of our friends, Jono, who submitted a short story to the collection uh, to read an excerpt from it. Sam thought this would be a good idea. And it turns out that, as usual, Sam was right. So he has our friend Jono Hall uh, reading a little something from his short story. He hadn't really been able to tell that much from Facebook. She had one of those severely limited profiles that was basically just a way of grudgingly acknowledging that social media existed, nothing else. Her profile was a sarcastic thumbs up to the idea of Facebook and the single grainy picture taken from what looked like about eight years ago that possibly had someone cropped out of it, an old boyfriend maybe, gave absolutely nothing away, which was frustrating. He wished he'd been able to just get some sense of what life had done to her in the 10 years since they'd last seen each other. Anything. He'd once been to a party she'd thrown at the flat she'd been living in with a bunch of other lawyers in the making. He hadn't really wanted to go, but he couldn't resist the invitation. Well, I mean, he never had been able to resist her, which is basically the same thing. The reason he hadn't wanted to go was that hers was a, was a difficult group of people. He'd always thought of them as being too squashed ruthlessly exploited by ruthless people in order to become their own flavor of ruthless person, tempted by just enough of a promise of money and power to endure it all, just pummeled down and pummeled down, pressurized to breaking. It meant that they sucked up all these terrifying habits and outlooks, but without being able to let them go anywhere, because fuck it, they were minimum salary assholes living on the smell of what might be. So they copied lifestyles and habits that were out of reach without any of the safety valves provided by the money and power possessed by the people that they were copying. All of these Julians and Camerons and Trishas, all of them lived in this zero-sum game of win or die, but where winning was basically just a slightly different kind of horrible dying. It was all just too intense for him. Everything was a challenge. Everything was a life-to-the-full charge with the volume turned all the way up. And he always felt hopelessly underpowered around those people. But he'd, he'd gone anyway. The thought of at least being around her, even for a short bit, was enough for him to tell himself he'd be able to ignore all of that. And he was forever grateful that he had gone. Because arriving at her flat that early springish evening had weirdly provided him with one of the singular moments in his life. 
And even though it was in the end a tiny, tiny thing, he'd clung to this memory in a way that he'd clung to few others. Nice. Thanks, Jono, and everybody else who submitted short stories to our collection. It's been mad fun reading through them all. Uh, you can find Jono on Twitter at Danny Rocketer. He also does a webcomic because he's crazy talented like that uh, called Salmon Wrestling in the Yemen, which I highly recommend. It's one of my favorite things that's ever been put on the Internet. So go and find it and uh, send us your short stories if you want to uh, or don't, you know, whatever. But until next time, goodbye.